Now, had I the opportunity to talk with that man in Atlanta, the man in Dallas, the mother up in Nashville, the grandmother in Stockton, I would say to them, if you want to destroy their self-image, if you want to discourage them, if you want to consign them to the failure heaps in life, if you want to give them higher uh, hills to climb, you keep on doing exactly what you are doing. And the same rule applies between husband and wife and employer and employee. Welcome to The Ziegler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and I'm here to inspire your true performance. From the framework established by Zig Ziegler, one of the top motivators and personal development leaders our world has ever known, who believed we could all be more, do more, and have more. How? Improve ourselves, beginning with how we think about ourselves. So today, let's break down some personal development. In this show, we're going to talk about labels, the ones we want and don't want. There are labels, positive and negative, that we were given, that we often believe. And honestly, there's a lot of leaders who will say strong words that we like, like, you know, just deny any negative labels, reject them, which I understand. However, I also know that sometimes we get labels that we know have some truth to them, and it's hard not to accept them, to just dismiss them. But then we also can change. And so there comes a time when we do need to reject those things authentically. But then what about also the labels that we want? Can we not become those? Well, I have a message about this from Zig Ziglar, and he tells what's actually a a fairly disheartening story of testimonies of how negative labels dramatically affected people's lives. Uh, Of course, primarily, you know, for the worse. And as you know, he doesn't often spend time communicating anything negative, but to drive home this point, he did in this clip. As always, however, he uses it to empower us, to awaken us. So from the clip, I posted this message to the Ziegler audience. What negative label from others or yourself do you strive to reject? And two, what positive label do you strive to be and become? So I asked Michelle Prince to join me to talk through the comments and we got through as many as we could. Uh, It's a very tangible and often sore issue in people's lives, but getting it out on the table to deal with is really, really significant. We ultimately got, of course, far more comments than we could respond to, but the majority, while they may have stated a negative one, most of the time was written, the content was written on the positive labels that people are striving for, they're embracing and becoming. It was just a really inspiring discussion. So I'll kick us off with Zig's message after sharing some great resources with you. Okay, folks, here then is our clip from Zig. It's about five and a half minutes. Then we'll hit the discussion. Wendell Johnson wrote a book entitled People in Quandaries. It's based on studies done on reservations in America. They started with two reservations and noticed something rather peculiar and then expanded it to many other reservations. They discovered there was not a single full-blooded Indian raised on the reservation and taught the Indian languages and dialects. Not a one of them stuttered. Now, they checked the languages and the dialects, and then they understood why none of them stuttered. It was because in none of the Indian languages or dialects was there a word for stutter. And if there's no word for stutter, how are you going to stutter? <laughs> you see, there are no instructions. 
There's no picture. You see, words paint pictures. And then we go to work to complete those pictures. Bill Glass says that 90% of the people who are incarcerated in our prisons today were repeatedly told by their parents, one of these days you're going to end up in jail. Jim Sundberg's a friend of mine, former Golden Gloves catcher in the major leagues. Jim Sundberg was doing a prison crusade with Bill Glass one day. And they were just, during one of the breaks, they were just kind of standing aside talking. And you know, Jim Sundberg said, Bill, when I was a youngster, over and over my dad kept saying to me, you keep throwing that ball like that, son, you'll be a major leaguer someday. You keep hustling like that and someday you'll be a major leaguer. You keep swinging the bat that way. One of these days you're going to be a major leaguer. He said it was planted in my mind early on. He said, I am exactly where my dad told me I was going to be. A prisoner was standing close by. And he softly shook his head and said, well, you know, same thing happened to me. I'm exactly where my dad told me I was going to be. The power of the word is absolutely incredible. And yet so much of the input is negative. What do we say to our kids? We call them the terrible twos when they're really the terrific twos. Tremendous threes, fantastic fours, fabulous fives, sensational sixes. I mean, you go right down the list. And yet how many times do we hear somebody say, you never do anything right. You're always late. You never look nice. You're just plain dumb. You'll never amount to anything. You're just like your father. I mean, we hear that sort of stuff when we really need the good, the clean, the pure, the powerful, the positive in there every day. I was in Atlanta in my office over there many years ago. A young man came in, three beautiful little stair-step girls and introduced him. This is the one that won't eat. This is the one that won't mind her mother. This is the one who cries all the time. Not realizing he was giving them very specific instructions. I was up in Nashville on the way down to the gate to catch a plane. I passed a mother and her, oh, I guess, three-year-old child. And you know, since Adam and Eve, there has never been a child who walked at exactly the pace the parrot wanted them to walk. (laughs) Well, this little guy was kind of dragging his heels, and uh, the mother turned to him and said, Come on, stupid, we're going to miss the plane. I was in a cafeteria in Dallas, and a little girl was crying. A grandmother, the type lady, bent over and said, What's the matter, honey? And her dad spoke up and said, she's mean. That's what. She does plain mean. I was in, uh, out in Stockton, California. I was doing my jog. I ran past her grandmother and her little granddaughter, about five, six years old. Beautiful little girl. Well, well, I'll tell you just how pretty she was. She compares favorably to my own grandchildren. <laughs> now, if, if, if that doesn't say something, I don't know, uh, I don't know what was. And as I ran past them, the only thing I heard was these words. They'll put you in jail for that. Can you imagine? Now, had I the opportunity to talk with that man in Atlanta, the man in Dallas, the mother up in Nashville, the grandmother in Stockton, I would say to them, if you want to destroy their self-image, if you want to discourage them, if you want to consign them to the failure heaps in life, if you want to give them higher uh, hills to climb, you keep on doing exactly what you are doing. And the same rule applies between husband and wife and employer and employee. As you undoubtedly have already noticed, I put it all together. 
personal life, family life, and business life, your physical, your mental, and your spiritual, because you're a complete human being, not just part of a human being. And the sad thing is that there are so many people who are even unaware of what they're doing. You know, they, they, it's just gotten to be a habit. And if they were to keep an open recorder going in their house and listen at the end of the day to some of the things they're saying, they would be absolutely astonished. What difference do words and attitudes make? All right. Well, I am sure that that message hit home to many of you, if not all of you. Maybe you were negatively labeled in your past. Or you know someone who was damaged by a negative label. And quite possibly, you've given someone a negative label or two before. But today is today. Now is now. How do we want to walk forward? And again, from the message, I posted this question. What negative label from others or yourself do you strive to reject? What positive label do you strive to be? I invite you to join these weekly discussions. Your input is what makes them so rich. Just find me and friend me on Facebook at my personal page, Agent K, as in Kevin Miller, Agent K Miller. Well, here then, Michelle Prince and I talk through your comments. Okay, Michelle, well, talking about labels, this one uh, drew a lot of comments and I think uh, we'll do our best our best is to jump into them though. Yeah. As we were just chit chatting about before we started here, you just came off your book bound by the sea event. And I'm sure dealt with a lot of people dealing with labels. It's part of their stories and whatnot. So I expect to hear some of your testimonies about that as we go through these. You ready? Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Gregory starts off here. He says, so others tell me I can be standoffish and aloof around people. He has in quotes, people I don't like. Uh, so I try to be as cordial and welcoming as possible. Sometimes that's situational and or reliant on what circus is happening in my head at the time, but, uh, still trying. I strive to be consistent, reasonable, and fair. Um, I, I like him talking about the circus in his head prior to this show. Uh, we, interviewed or I interviewed Oscar Trimboli on his book, Deep Listening. And he lists out listening types, well, kind of negative listening uh, traits or, you know, habits. And the first one is lost. Now, not lost like your you know, scatterbrain, but lost in your own thoughts. Mm. Uh, so when Gregory talks about the circus, circus in his head, man, that is, I, I think there's a lot of people who've probably not gotten great impressions from me always because I can tend to go there if I'm not focusing on them. So totally understand him. Well, and I love that he said that that he's he, he's aware that he can sometimes appear a certain way aloof. But he did say it was only when he was around people he didn't like. True. And you know, so what I'm hearing is is he's transparent. He said the word consistent as mm-hmm. well, and that's not a bad quality. Um, it kind of reminds me. My husband is a little bit that way. I mean, if he's happy or sad or or upset, I mean, he wears his emotions on his sleeve pretty much. Mm-hmm. You always know what he's thinking. Um, by body language. And some of that could be personality style. So, you know, if you were coming across as aloof and disengaged for people you do like, then I think that would be a bigger problem. But True. maybe what you're just, <laughs> you're, you're just being transparent. True. That's, that is good. Yeah. I'm afraid that I get that label sometimes with everybody. Uh, so uh, thank you, Gregory. All right. Next I've got Gibson uh, Carong. He says, number one, people tell me I am too silent or just a quiet type, sort of an introvert, I should learn to be more interactive. So to answer number two, 
what label do I want to grow towards? I would love to be more outspoken than I currently am now. You know, and that's an interesting one because we talk about being, you know, somewhat true to your personality styles, but though, you know, we also generally need to modify based on what results we want to have. And you and I have talked about being, you know, very extroverted doesn't mean that we're or extroverted or outgoing, I guess that outgoing introvert type thing. And I think we all have work to do, uh, if we're going to, yeah, you know, uh, relate to the people we want to relate to. Isn't it funny that we tend to want what we don't have? Because I know a lot of quiet people want to be more outgoing mm-hmm. and, you know, being in the outgoing camp, there's plenty of times that I probably wished I was more quiet, <laughs> you know, and foot in mouth kind of thing. So, um, but those are, are, are give some valuable things to, to want to strive toward because, you know, even if it's in a little way to be a little bit more outgoing, you can do that. Totally. Um, Justin Saunders here, he says, I'm still trying to figure this one out as, as to positive or negative. I'm an obese. Well, he didn't say I am. He just has quotes, obese marathon runner. Uh, I actually wrote back on Facebook and I said, does that motivate you or shame you? And he did not respond, but that's an interesting one. We see people who, you know, are very shamed by that, or they're proud to be doing what they're doing, even though they don't fit the norm. So, uh, I don't know if I can answer whether it's positive or negative. Only Justin can, but that's an interesting one that, uh, you know, a personal perspective. You know, and what I would encourage is just, just erase the obese because nobody says, oh, I'm a skinny marathon runner. You are a marathon runner if you run marathons, regardless of your weight. And, and maybe that's just some old um, mm. chatter, you know, but it doesn't matter what weight you are. You, if you're a marathon runner, you're better than me. Cause I'm not running marathons. <laughs> I have run a zillion miles in my life. I've never run a marathon. That's a lot. I, I heard somebody one time say, that's just a lot of putting one foot in four in front of another. <laughs> I, that, that is, I like running, but goodness. Yeah, really Justin, man, that's to do a marathon. You're a rock star to begin with. Yes. Uh, Jake Wallstead here. He says people, he says, number one, people use millionaire as a negative label. I'm working to become a millionaire. And then he actually prefaced it or came back and said, I probably should have said some people use millionaire as a negative label, but the goal for me is to allow my family to be secure by serving enough people to provide that much value. Uh, My comment was inspired because there are many labels that have a negative connotation with, you know, with some groups, but only because they have a narrow definition or view of the label. And man, God, absolutely. I'll never forget, you know, Dave Ramsey, uh, who I've known forever. And early on, he would say, you know, money is just money. It's like a brick. You can throw it through somebody's window or build an orphanage with you with it. It's just a, a benign thing. Depends on what you do. Um, but it did remind me also of Daniel Rabbi Lappin. And I did not get, it's been a long time since we interviewed him. It might be three years, but uh, he's a guy, there are so many influential people who have read and studied his book, Thou Shall Prosper. And one of the things that's always stuck with me and my own issues with baggage, with money specifically, was him saying that money is a certificate of appreciation for, as you said, Jake, providing value. That has been a guiding light for me as I have worked my way out of some negative uh, issues with money. So uh, there you go to your value statement. I love uh, that book. And I love what you just said. The reminder, I'd forgotten that certificate of appreciation. And, you know, maybe I learned this from Zig, but looking at very successful people who are wealthy, Mm -hmm. 
the more money you have, the more people you can help. So there's no shame in that at all. And the people that, that, you know, they may not be talking about it, but they're giving somewhere with their, with their extra money. So I, I see it as a positive. It just shows that you're working hard and you want to give back in some way and more power to you. My dad, Dan Miller has been such a big testimony because I grew up and I knew hard times with him, you know, business success this year and the next year, Mm -hmm. uh, business, not success. And, uh, Mm -hmm. we, you know, I witnessed it as a family member and, uh, later in life though, he has had great success. And with that has come great revenue. And that's, was his testimony. Just what you said, Michelle, he said, man, you know, if you want to serve people, you can do a lot more with money. Um, then without generally, again, always, I'm sure somebody will hear that there's some, uh, you know, example out there where somebody is, is devoted to money. They don't have any time to serve and they don't yada, yada. I got it. But in general, <laughs> if you have the heart to serve money generally helps, uh, Chris Rose here, this is really interesting. He says, the impression that people get of me is that I'm grumpy. Uh, and I can see why. Not long ago, I was having my photo taken for a business card. I smiled my normal smile, and when I looked at the photo, I looked ticked off, not smiling at all. I took another picture, giving the biggest smile my cheeks could muster. I mean, I nearly pulled a muscle, and it came out looking, well, normal. Uh, So the positive label I seek... Uh, is successful, not just financially, but in as- but in all aspects, but pr- particularly to God. Uh, I want to lie on my deathbed with that same cheesy, near, nearly pulled a muscle smile as in my photo because I died happy knowing I pleased the Lord. And what's interesting is he took, uh, he posted on Facebook a picture of that initial photo where he thought he was smiling. And by golly, the dude looks grumpy. And then, <laughs> and then he posted a picture. He said, now here's my new smile. And he, I mean, it's, it's a transformation. I thought it was interesting, even going back to like what Gregory talked about, where, you know, how you come off to people and we don't know what we don't know. So uh, kudos to Chris for just being, becoming aware of how he comes off and then altering that. So I have to just share this because it reminded me of a personal story. When I was a teenager, you know, your parents were always telling you, stand up straight, smile, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't think that they know anything at the time. I'll never forget. I went with my mom somewhere and I I guess I was in a great mood, but I wasn't walking around smiling at everybody. And when I'm not smiling, I do look grumpy. And I had some adult come up to me and like, what's wrong? You look like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And I was in a perfectly good mood. And so ever since that day, and my mom had told me for years, but ever since that day, I'm very, very aware. When I walk up to anyone, when I walk in a room, I have a little bit, I try to make an effort to have a little bit of a upward grin because otherwise, yeah, you just come across looking like, everything's wrong. Okay. <laughs> Who wants to be around that? Hey, thank you for sharing that. And so I, I likewise, so I have to share my story with the same thing we were in. I was in a Denver airport in the security or, you know, going through the security check thing. And I mean, oh, you know, a couple hundred people, it was just nuts, you know, in that snake of going through yes. the, the uh, ropes there. And my wife uh, turned and she said, honey, you're just, you're kind of, I don't know what she's a purse lips or whatever. I'm not a fan of big crowds of people. I don't like that. So I apparently had kind of a stern look on that. And she says, if you look around, you notice people and you wonder what their attitude, what their look, look like or what they're like by their expression. 
And so she, she would look at me and just kind of do this, you know, brighten your eyes and smile. And, and so I did it. It's changed me. I will never be in a line at the airport like that again. And now I look at people and so many dour faced people, so many just blank stares, you know, seldom do you see somebody who just looks generally happy. So I'm trying to be that guy because inside I'm, I'm, I'm fine, but it was not my natural look. Uh, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. It was, uh, it's been significant to me. Um, Steve Rosen, he wrote number one, the negative label he tries to avoid white trash. Ooh. Number two, the one he is striving to be is human. And that's so why I asked him, clarify that. He says human has such a powerful meaning to me. It's fully embracing all aspects of the experience of being alive. It makes me feel whole and worthy. Being human is an amazing gift. Uh, I, I just appreciate that. It's been, you know, as we've talked about on the show, I have my own issues with a Superman complex and trying to be all things to all people. And again, to my wife, to a degree of, of her sometimes saying in essence that, Hey, you, you're human. You're allowed to be human, to have limits, to have excuses. Even sometimes you can't, you're not Superman. You are human. So in that, I, I know some, I know of Steve enough to know that that's part of his too. He does not have to be all things to all people. Yeah. You know, and I really, really appreciate Steve sharing that because so many people do have thoughts like that. It's that negative chatter that just runs through our head. And, you know, you were just talking about the event that I just had this weekend, Bookbound by the Sea. Part of what we do, yes, we're there to talk about books, but a lot of it is is really uncovering what are those negative beliefs, those labels that you're holding onto for dear life. Doesn't mean they're true, but you, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm never going to have money. You know, all of those things. And that it's just, it's, it's things that can change. Meaning you have to just reprogram your mind. And, you know, if, even if somebody told him he was white trash at one point in his life, or probably nobody did, or maybe he just felt that way. It doesn't mean it's true just because it's said doesn't mean it's true. And, and so I just want to say, Steve, you're not alone. I've had my own share of that stuff through the years. And so many people have the same issues, but, but I love that you're focusing on what you do want. And that's just reprogramming and renewing our mind. Yes. Reprogramming and renewing. Thank you. Uh, Christina Marie simply said, number one, pathetic was the negative label. Number two, that she's striving towards powerful. Um, great juxtaposition on those. And, you know, on, on that. So she was given that pathetic. Let me, I'm going to jump down here and grab one. Larry North, who is a fan of Ziegler. We interviewed him last year, 2018, I believe. And with that said, he, he says, I reject all negative labels directed at me directly or indirectly. I am what I say I am, not what others say I am. Okay. You know, I, I appreciate that um, for sure. However, I also know that when somebody that you respect is not being malicious but does give you a criticism. Uh, it is not only hard to discount, but maybe you shouldn't, you know, there are, there are some times saying, why did that come around? I had two, uh, two people that I cared about early in my life call me arrogant mm. and it stuck and it needed to, uh, for me. Now that's, so that's not one that I was burdened under and that wrecked my life, obviously, but it was worth looking at and going home. Oh, why is that? And they were right. They, they were right. Uh, mm. And you know, so we've got to, we've got to, we've got to cash that with the, now, you know, back for folk, everybody listen to this, listen to Zig's clip coming in where he talked a lot about parents who were giving negative labels to their kids. And that was nothing but junk. 
nothing but mm-hmm. junk. So, so again, those are the ones to, to what Larry's saying when somebody's taking a pot shot at you like that. And yeah, some of the things that people got in their upbringing that just need to be discounted, they have no merit now, especially later in life though, there are times when we look at those and go, yeah, I am that. I think that's what people struggle with. I can't just discount it. Cause I know I am somewhat that, and we have to, there's our charge to go grow beyond that. So there's a, what, I don't know. I don't know if I, if that balance is the right word, Michelle. But, yeah, just knowing that awareness, right? And, yeah. and there are times that you do have to hear it. However, with Christina, mm-hmm. I don't even have to meet Christina and know she's not pathetic. Mm-hmm. And she is powerful. She is fearfully and wonderfully made. And that is just, oh, I don't care what you've been through in life. You have goodness within you. And sometimes you just might need somebody to remind you of it. But uh, that just, um, that makes me sad. And if you're listening, Christina, you are not pathetic. Absolutely. Um, Jeez. There you go. Take that, Christina, from Michelle right there as a word to you. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Well, here's a longer one that's so great. Kyle Riley. When I started school, I had what was later known as ADHD. The classes were divided by a curtain. I was always paying attention and distracted by what was going on in the other classes. So in first grade, I was put in a special ed class because the room was enclosed. I would be, uh, he has in quotes, be able to concentrate better is what he was told. The problem became, became when every year they started me back at the beginning. So for example, in math class, I would start with addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. In grade two, I started at addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. By the time I got to junior high, I only had a first grade math level and English level as well. So in junior high, I had to stay in special ed classes all the way through high school until I graduated. So from a very early age, I was told I was dumb because I had to take special ed classes. When in reality, my IQ tested above genius IQ level. But since ADHD wasn't a thing back in the early 80s, I was just a a misbehaved student. I never paid attention and was dumb. Because of that, it was shown to me that I will never be as good as everybody else. Until recently, listening to personal development like Zig Ziglar and many others, I have realized this is not true. So now I know all along I have been smart and there's really nothing I can't do. My whole life, I've always been able to just do things without a whole lot of effort. I never thought anything about it until I realized this whole time I've been very smart, but just accepted the fact that I was stupid and would never measure up. So because of personal development, I now don't label myself the same as I have my whole life. Not good enough, not smart enough. No one likes me. Wow. Wow. I just love that he shared that and, you know, depending on when he grew up. I mean, I know we didn't know a lot about ADHD and those things back then. So I know things weren't handled appropriately, but just for to hear him now understand and know that he's never been dumb. And just because he thought it didn't mean it was true and it's even proven to not be true. And I love that he's holding on to what's positive about himself because you could, there are people that could hold on to the net, you know, all those bad memories and let that take hold, but he's not. And I just love that he shared that story. Well, and that one st- that one pains me as a father mm-hmm. and realizing the power of our initial programming, our initial labeling. And it's sometimes hard. I remember it was an interview uh, with Lori Harder, who's a fitness icon. And we were talking about it. And I said, when I was a kid, 
I was uh, hefty, I think is what they, they called it. You know, I was a healthy boy. Big bone. <laughs> I was big boned, all that kind of stuff. And now you would call me as a, as a man, I think, on the slight side. Uh, and that's where I have been most of my life at this point. However, I can still have visions of that being the hefty kid. It was just that initial program. It is so hard to get rid of. One thing that that makes me think of too, though, you know, there are... For all of us, we are not brilliant everywhere. And there are some arenas where I think I would be labeled dumb. Uh, places I'm, I'm, I'm just ignorant, not dumb, but I'm ignorant. I don't know much. And I see people sometimes get in those circumstances. <clears throat> and in this arena, they are pretty ignorant. That, that's not them overall. That's one area. And to anything, I think I've grown to be okay with being ignorant in some areas while I try to master some others. Uh, but just to be aware that you may be in a family environment, you may be in a work environment, you may be in some social environment where in that you have taken on this genre of, yeah, being not in a positive place. And uh, please go find some other arenas where you excel and where you are brilliant. It, we've seen it just change people's lives. Michelle, I know you do uh, probably uh, some high percentage of people coming to your events. It's at that event amongst those people that they first feel that light shine. Absolutely. Sometimes it just takes somebody else shining it on them at first to make them realize, but we all have something. I think if we can just stop the comparisons, which is so hard to do, especially on social media, Mm -hmm. but just because you, you may not be as smart as someone else, but that doesn't take away the fact that you are perfect the way you are. And for a perfect reason, that's why you're here. And just to stop comparing. Yes. Yes. Here's another uh, fairly or longer one. Excuse me, Elizabeth Sickler. She says, number one, uh, the label was perfectionist, overly critical, impossible to please. And it's true as a math teacher, where most of what we do is a matter of it's right or it's wrong and showing work shows a degree or depth of one's understanding. I do pay a lot, uh, a ton of attention to the little details to try to figure out why an answer is wrong. And it's the looking for and requiring the little details that earned me this label. So Number two, as a response to this, I strive towards separating excellence from perfection for myself and my students to recognize that in this world, perfection is a lie and things can be done with excellence without being perfect. Great line. I also hope to help them realize that sometimes in order to pursue excellence in one area uh, requires putting limits on how much time you spend toward excellence in another area. For example, homework. I'd really rather know they gave me 15 minutes of full focus and excellence than three hours that was really divided among several things. And for me, the same thing with respect to schoolwork. Set a timer, give full focus and excellence for that set time so I have energy and effort left to pursue ex- excellence in other areas of my life. Hmm. I, I love the, the, she's in a, in a crucible of experience with this one and what a gift, not only to her, but to those kids talk about early programming who are being taught in an area where you are trying to be excellent that, uh, well, the line again, that you can be excellent without being perfect. That's a great line that I think there's a high majority of our listeners, including myself that, uh, can find freedom in that statement. Mm-hmm. And I love that she's recognizing too that that perfectionism causes uh, being critical, 
And as a teacher, especially the teachers have such an impact on the self-esteem of these kids. I mean, I still can remember things that my second grade teacher said to me about my handwriting and you don't let go of those, <laughs> you know, they were being critical and um, how important. So the fact that she's aware of that is huge, but I love what she said about 15 minutes of excellence versus three hours of just kind of doing whatever is more important. And, and what a gift she's giving her students. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's um, uh, two people that were highly impacted in, in later years, not as kids, by labels um, from other people. So Philip Browning, he says, number one, if a procrastinating perfectionist, a guy in college called me that many years ago. It's almost as if he spoke it over me. I hate that guy. And he has a little smiley face, but um, <clears throat> how that word though, it's, it's, or that statement, it's almost as if it was spoken over me. And when we, you know, that's the faith based concept, you know, where you have people say, Hey, I have a word for you. I've been praying for you. Um, thinking about you and feel like God gave me a word for you. That that's a powerful uh, reality for a lot of people. Well, more people than that in an aspect of not feeling like it's some spiritual thing have had something said over them. And that's not even a procrastinating perfectionist. That doesn't sound like he was getting, you know, a pot shot and somebody's trying to be mean. He just thought yeah, that's what, that's how he perceived him. And he felt like it was spoken over him. How many people have that? Because that it was, he a procrastinating perfectionist. Maybe in that moment he was, or maybe that guy's looking at him through his own filter of, of mm -hmm. junk and gave him that. I mean, yeah, how we are called this, this is back to Larry Norris thing to say, you know, to, I, I think to, I'll extrapolate from it to really, really take into focus anything that somebody has said. And do we really accept that? Is that really who we are? And if it is deal with it, but if it's not, or if it was just in that moment or in a certain circumstance, mm -hmm. um, man, that's, that's, that's a big deal. Now he does say, I want to be an amazing example of things that are possible in all of us. Um, so I like that he's got a positive one he's going after, but I, I really wanted to focus on, on that. Well, you know what, um, Michelle, can I, I'm going to kind of jump and read the next one here. Yeah, please. <clears throat> Very similar. Dan Brandenburg. He says, long ago, I had one of my first real jobs. I had so much respect for my boss and was given the ability to work on some very cool and challenging projects. It was clear to me that we were wasting a ton of money on things that had little chance of success. Uh, I thought I was being helpful by explaining all the reasons our project would fail. My boss looked at me one day and he said, you're one of the most negative, pessimistic people ever. Ouch says Dan that, mm. that burned. I quickly realized she was absolutely right. I had let down the boss. I had so respected and wanted to impress rather than trying to find solutions. I was working hard to do damage control and locate all the problems. I immediately tried to change and I've improved by leaps and bounds, but sometimes the negativity can rear its head. I just have to be aware and vigilant. Mm. So both of those, you know, people who were highly impacted by something somebody said to them, and I'm going to even use that umbrella term, spoke over to them, uh, mm -hmm. which is when we really take it, take it to heart. And I, but I appreciate Dan saying that, gosh, he, he was absolutely right. And I'll, I'll admit that I have a little bit of, um, of, of a bias on this one here because I tend to do that. I'll tend to go into something and what's, what's working great. And, and I can tend to take that for granted. I'm concerned about what's not working and it can tend to people feel like I just focus on the negative. Uh, and it's not out of bad will. Uh, it's not a bad heart, but it is a propensity that probably has a good strength to it. But when we're relating to others, like Dan said, man, we got to be vigilant. 
Well, and there's positives in all of this, you know, and if somebody is negative and they're looking for way, you know, what could go wrong, sometimes that can be a positive. And I believe he's probably a more analytical thinker. And that goes back to his personality style. Optimist versus pessimist, there's really no right or wrong. It's really what, what how you're wired. But if it's consistently negative and you're in, in a way that you're trying to condemn people, put people down, criticize, things like that, then that is definitely an internal issue that needs to be addressed. But mm-hmm. um, just being aware of it, I love that he's, you know, in his mind, he's talking truth, right? And he's trying to alert everyone to it. And maybe there's just a softer way to do it. Yes. I do want to talk about what Philip said about the procrastinating perfectionist. Because yeah. first of all, if somebody spoke it over you does not mean it's true. Yeah. And that could very well also be a positive, right? That might mean that you're deliberate. deliberate. Maybe you're conscientious. You like to weigh all of every option in front of you before making a decision. There is nothing wrong with that. And let it go the way Larry North said. It's just because somebody says something about you, feels some way about you, puts it out there about you, does not mean it's true. Mm -hmm. So just hold on to the truth about who you are. And you are conscientious. You are not a perfectionist in a bad way. (laughs) All right. Well, right on what you said there, uh, Michelle, I've got, I'm going to read two more here for us to wrap up on. Um, Ellen, uh, Vipon, she says, growing up, I was always told I'm not good enough. I continually have to remind myself I'm a chosen daughter of God. And then, uh, it looks like Kat, Katarzyna uh, is her name. She said, I have to tell myself also I'm worthy. I'm worth it. And I'm enough. Um, and I do. And again, going back to where we started with Zig's message, where he did recite so many, experiences he had with parents giving negative statements, labels to their kids. I do want to speak to that. There's a little internet meme that I've seen before and other people have probably seen it, but it says something to the effect of hurt people, comma, hurt people. Uh, And I've seen it with broken people break other people as well. That for those of you out there who had that experience with parents or caretakers in your childhood who cannot be perfect, uh, who were hurt people, who were broken people, uh, this is not to excuse them, but it is to free yourself from them and maybe give some grace to them. They gave those to you because they were hurting themselves. And if you can let that go. Now, I say this from experience with I've got adopted children who I've had firsthand experience with this. I am so grateful that I was not. I was cared and loved and nurtured and given so much privilege. But I have seen so many others who are so handicapped by broken, hurt uh, imperfect parents or caretakers that is so hard to shake off. And the ones who have later in life been able to forgive them, to let them go to realize those people were hurt and often still are if they're living and let that go and to remove themselves from that. It's one of the most freeing things ever. Uh, and Michelle, I'm sure you've run across that too, too many times. Yes. And I love that reminder, hurt people, hurt people. And you know, the good, the, Really, the only way to break that cycle is just to break it and to be aware of it because yeah. they probably were hurt. Their pro- parents were probably hurt. And so it's, a, it's very can be a very generational thing. But going back to what Ellen said, not feeling good enough, I can so relate to this. And I didn't I had wonderful parents and family and all that. But somehow I picked it up in just probably grade school, comparing myself to other people. And it's real, even though it's not real. We feel it, though. And I'm with you, though. You just have to change 
change the programming. And instead of saying, I'm not good enough, say, I am good enough just the way God made me. I am perfect. I have everything I need to be successful. And you know, God don't make no junk, mm-hmm. <laughs> however you want to put it in your mind, but it doesn't mean it's true. But gosh, it hurts though. When somebody says something like that to you that you really love or look up to, yeah. but you can break the cycle so that your kids and your grandkids never have to hear those things. Absolutely. Thank you folks for sharing as you do to make these shows so rich. And I just want to impress upon you that when you share, when you share these vulnerable pieces of your life, you are speaking for thousands of people who are listening to the show <clears throat> who have not posted in there. And it's a balm to their soul. So thank you so much, Michelle, as always. Uh, thanks for being here and helping, helping us all get to the heart of things. My pleasure, Kevin. Thanks so much. Well, there you go, friends. Labels. What negative ones do you need to have a meeting with and vanquish? And what positive ones do you need to embrace? It's, these are weighty realities. Thanks again to all who posted such insightful, deep comments. If you got value from the show, it is always a gift. Leave a review in iTunes. Let others know what you get from this show. Coming up next is show 655. Got a really valuable message. I'll share it with you right after I share some great resources. All right, so our next show, 655. What is your key to success? Well, first, there isn't one. There's going to be a bunch of keys, and the best way to find them it's discovering the keys that successful people use in their lives, which I bet is a main reason you listen to the Ziegler show and other podcasts, but we can't also listen to one person's success keys and adopt them for our lives. We are unique. We need a unique batch of keys to unlock our own potential. So the tagline for this show is inspiring your true performance. So I received a book titled raise your game, high performance secrets from the best of the best. And I was intrigued initially. Uh, I, I, I was intrigued, but then even much more when I began reviewing the book, Alan Stein Jr. is the author and our guest today. And here's what I think is a, such great value. He didn't just survey successful people. He worked directly alongside them long-term and intimately, specifically NBA pro basketball superstars. Alan's a world-renowned performance coach who spent most of his career working with pro basketball players, and now he's a sought-after speaker, podcast host, and author. But before you get visions of his guidance being, you know, how to jump high and dribble, the first chapter of his book, The Anchor, in my opinion, is based on my current favorite word, aware. Chapter one in his book is self-awareness. I mean, did you get that? I mean, the testimony is that the first key ingredient they're looking for in world-dominating basketball players, pro players, is not height, reach, endurance, physical strength, even mental grit. It's self-awareness. In my years as working as a professional in the personal development industry, after 362 Ziegler shows now, episodes, and over 100 interviews with highly successful and influential people, I totally agree. And chapter two of the book is passion. I mean, like self-awareness, passion is something anyone can have. That's available to each and every one of us. So you can see why I'm excited to bring this message to you. Well, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.